Welcome to the Grant Writing and Funding Podcast, where it's all about, you guessed it, grant writing and funding made easy so you can increase capacity, grow funding, and advance your nonprofit or freelance mission. Now, let's hand it over to your host, grants expert and author Holly Rustic, so you can increase your funding and drive impact. Hello, hello, hello. It's Holly Rustic here with Grant Writing and Funding. And I'm here to help you grow capacity, increase funding, and to advance mission. Now, that might be the mission of the nonprofit that you are currently working at, or if you're a nonprofit consultant, the many different nonprofits you work with. All right, guys, so we have a great show for you today, as always. And we have all about accounting today. Yes, and this is a fantastic conversation with Nora El Masri from Nora's Books, and she is excellent today. She's going to talk about how you can avoid getting your 501c3 tax exemption taken away. All right, you want to avoid this. Do 501c3 or just nonprofits in, in general lose their tax exempt status? Yes, they can, and yes, they do. All right, so not all, but if you're not following the rules that she's going to talk about today and point out some of the red flags, then you can stay on track to making sure that you keep your tax-exempt status. Because one of the things she points out specifically today is that if you do lose it, sure, you can get it back, but it's gonna you're going to have to follow many steps and it's going to remain on the IRS website forever. It, why would that be concerning? Well, donors and funding sources and grant sources look at this type of thing about your nonprofit. And if you've lost your tax-exempt status before, that raises a lot of red flags for them. All right, because they know that hmm, maybe you're not filing your 990s. Maybe you're not filing your taxes. Maybe you're not doing things appropriately, right? Even if you're doing, you know, everything right and you just forgot to do this, right? It's going to raise a lot of questions that just don't need to be raised, okay? It's going to cause some, some eyebrow raising there. And if you lose the tax exempt status, are you able to give that for corporate write-offs? Are you able to actually apply for grants? No, you are not, all right? So in many cases, you're not. So you, you need to make sure that you keep this tax, tax exempt status, and that is what Nora is going to talk about. And she is also going to be talking about you nonprofit consultants out there, what you need to have in mind for your accounting strategies, for your tax planning, etc. So this is definitely a two for today. I love it. I love that her business, Nora's Books, specializes in nonprofit work because it is such a nuanced place to be. And Nora is wonderful. Not only is Nora, she's also one of our sponsors for the Nonprofit Consulting Conference happening August 25th and 26th, 2022. And that is presented by Foundant Technologies and sponsored by Bloomerang and, of course, Nora's Books. Um, so if you have not grabbed your ticket, if you're a nonprofit consultant, you need to head over to nonprofitconsulting.com and grab your tickets. You are absolutely going to love this two-day virtual conference. It has a slew of amazing speakers and some amazing sponsors just like Nora's books. So you're going to find out more on accounting, which is amazing. So do check out our show notes today at grantwritingandfunding.com forward slash 227 for more information about that. And Nora is also giving you a free downloadable. So if you want to grab how to maintain your nonprofit organization's 
501c3 tax exempt status, you can go ahead and jump over to grantwritingandfunding.com forward slash 227 and grab that free downloadable. You want to make sure that you can check off all of the things so you do not lose your tax exempt status. So a little bit about Nora. Nora Asmari is an enrolled agent and founder of Nora's Books, a tax and accounting firm. She has a master's degree in business information technology from DePaul University, and with 22 years in accounting and 15 years in nonprofit experience, she has served in different capacities where she has helped develop and implement managerial and financial strategies that led to significant growth in these organizations. Nora also served in accounting and finance in different companies in corporate America. She also offers free consultations. So once again, you can grab, um, jump over and grab one of those consultations at grantwritingandfunding.com forward slash 227. All right, so I hope you guys have either that downloadable from Nora or a pen and paper available because you are definitely gonna wanna take notes today. This is super, super important. And even for you consultants out there, when you are working with nonprofits, um, this is something that you can also make sure that you can help them uh, avoid these red flags. All right, let's go ahead and get started. Here's Nora. Whether you're a nonprofit or a nonprofit consultant, having your books in order is important. And to help me talk about that today and really shine the light on it is an expert in that specifically, and that is Nora El-Masri, and she is with Nora's Books. So thank you for joining the podcast today, Nora. I'm really excited about this um, episode today because not only are you an expert in this, but you can really talk about it. You're also a sponsor for the Nonprofit Consultant Conference coming up in August. So I'm really excited about that too, because you're really able to provide the service that is so needed for the industry in, in, in its totality. So welcome to the podcast. Thank you so much, Holly. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited being a sponsor for that conference and being on your podcast today. I am really excited and I've been listening to your podcast for a long time and I really love it. I learned so much from it and from you and from your guests. So I'm so excited to be one of your guests today. Yes, yes, definitely. We're really excited to have you. Thank you for that. Thank you for listening to the podcast. It's so much fun having guests on there. Like, oh yeah, I've been listening to this for a long time. <laughs> so, <laughs> <I'm here. laughs> awesome. And you are tuning in from Houston or Chicago. I know you said to go back and forth. Yeah, yeah. Right now I'm in Houston, but yeah, I do go but, uh, between Houston and Chicago all the time. Nice. I love it. I love it. And that's that's such a good part of um, having your own consultancy too. And it's virtual based, service based, virtual. A lot of our grant writing, we do that. You know what I mean? A lot of nonprofit consultancies, they're virtually based which is fantastic because it allows you the flexibility to travel like that. So, and to have clients in different places. So that's awesome. I love that. You said, oh, my kids are still in Chicago. So I kept a place there, but we <laughs> Yeah, exactly. And I love, I love Chicago. I live most of my life there, but also loving, loving Houston. Good thing though, like the time does not change. So central time, where, whether I go back and forth, get my laptop and go. I have clients all over the U.S. and some of them international. They're working from abroad. So it's really amazing to be able to work all, all, uh, with all everyone, um, you know, who is in need for uh, to be in the U a U.S. person per IRS, right? 
yeah. so and need uh, to be stay in compliance to get organized to grow their business or nonprofit. so it's really amazing i have clients in hawaii i have clients in new york and california chicago everywhere <laughs> i love it i love that and and we're going to be talking today about a couple of things so we're going to definitely touch on how nonprofits can keep compliant and not lose their 501c3 and you also have a downloadable that can help people with that so we're definitely going to talk about that and then we're going to kind of flip the script and also talk about nonprofit consultants who are also in need of organizing their money right their accounts their books and knowing how to be compliant in that as well so i'm really excited to talk about these issues and thank you as well for offering the grant writing and funding folks um, a free downloadable too where they can um, go and we'll share that on in the show notes and everything so they can have that and understand how they can stay compliant with their 501c3 because that's important <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> that's the foundation if you don't have it how can you collect the money and make people like choose you over someone else because you know a lot of nonprofits share the same mission but you know like if they have their non they have the exam status and you don't have it then like they will choose someone else or maybe give more money for the people who can provide that benefit yeah. and it's such like a, a last minute kind of thought to have right sometimes they're like oh we're tax exempt we already have that we don't need to worry about it and mm -hmm. they don't think about program income or other types of things that they need to look at so i'm so happy that we're going to touch on that because it's really kind of not thought about um and a lot of times right but before we get there i want to talk about you and your like how you came in because you've been doing this for a long time you've been you've worked at a nonprofit for you know more than a decade 15 years and you know and then you have your own consultancy firm too so like how did you get into working with nonprofits as an accountant or really this is your passion, your drive? I, I'd love to hear about that. Yeah, so when I graduated from college, I, I got my bachelor's degree from Damascus University from Syria. And then I, uh, after graduation, I came here and to Chicago, actually. And I completed my master's degree at DePaul University in business information technology. There, uh, uh, actually, I also worked for a couple of years at DePaul University where I was um, helping in managing federal grants. Um, after that, I went to corporate America, just in accounting. And I, I spent some years, uh, like a few years there. And then like all of a sudden, I was also, I was volunteer volunteering in nonprofits, helping them with accounting, helping them with fundraising. And then um, a few years later, when the things in Syria started, like the revolution started, I um, decided like, I want to do something full time, but still be able to help people, refugees starting coming out. So I wanted to help. So I'm like, okay, how can I do both? Yeah. Um, I I founded some organization with other people who were activists on that term, like just help fundraising for the refugees while we were doing the first fundraising. I uh, was introduced to one of the um, executive directors and he asked me to come on board and to help with programs on Syria and, you know, uh, working with the refugees. He wanted someone who's familiar with the culture at the same time, no accounting and no like the law in the US. So I'm like, okay. I'll be happy to do that. I was like, yes, this is what I was looking for to be full-time <laughs> doing my job and helping people. So I, when I joined, like I really loved it. I worked in program development. I helped manage, manage uh, federal grants, uh, established offices, 
uh, here in the U.S. for the organization and in the Middle East, I was managing the um, team also. So I loved it so much. And then like, I moved like a few years later, I moved to another organization, to another organization. And I, was, I also worked with Amnesty International as a volunteer in the local group. We organized so many, um, uh, so many uh, events. And then um, after that, like, I was just like, okay, it's become, you know, burnout is real and yeah. nonprofits. <laughs> I was able to get a lot of actually things I learned from corporate work uh, and incorporated that with the nonprofit I worked for. I learned so much also from the leaders in both, like uh, the nonprofit world and um, the corporate. So I was able to kind of engaging the process from the business to the nonprofit world and a lot of things actually helped me understand really well that in order to have a successful nonprofit, you really need to manage it as a business. Yes. So, yeah, and this is what a lot, a lot of nonprofits do not understand, unfortunately. So I'm like, okay, when I decided to start my firm back in 2020, I was like, okay, I, this, this is my job, finance and accounting. So, okay, I'm going to start there. And I'll see how can I help people. So I started, um, I went for my enrolled agent uh, certificate from the IRS. I learned, uh, you know, this is, I, don't, I don't know if you're familiar with enrolled agents. Mm -hmm. it's, it's the highest, it's the highest credential the IRS can grant someone. Um, you, you can represent people, um, any taxpayer, like whether it's an organization, business, individual in front of all IRS offices. And you, you, you can have a very uh, deep understanding of the tax law. But tax law is really very important to be reflected in accounting. So when, you, when I do the book, when I establish the chart of accounts, this is where I, where I rely on. Like, okay, what would you have to report on your 990? Then I take from there. What would you have to report on your Schedule C or our 1120S? or whatever, how you are incorporated, I take that as a foundation so I can have it on your books the way that IRS uh, want to see. So I, I got that last year. Congratulations, um, that's huge. You. Yeah. yeah, yeah, I love that. They sent me the, the certificate this year, but like I passed in, in December. So that was very exciting for me. And, um, and then I decided to go focus only on nonprofits and nonprofit consultants. Yeah. Um, I still work with other businesses too, but you know, like I have just few businesses, like mostly consultancy bases, but my main focus is um, consultants for nonprofits and nonprofits. Because I know also nonprofits, I, I feel like this way I can help so much, so many more people than just like working for one nonprofit. Yeah. 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 Um, yeah so so yeah, that's how I got into this. <laughs> I love that. And I love that you're so passionate about helping with the refugees. I know with everything going on in Syria, you know, it's just, it's been really difficult. So I just, my heart goes out to you for, for your homeland country, you know what I mean as well, because I know it's been really um, traumatic um, with everything. Yeah. Um, I'm, I'm really appreciative of the work that you've done to support the refugees and, you know, to really support that. And then to see that that kind of went into your career as well, which is really very cool. So yeah, I love that. But, um, you know, looking at um, helping nonprofits, I mean, that is so 
so good because a lot of times I have nonprofits come to me with a specific question about taxes or about financials. And a regular accountant who hasn't specialized with nonprofits just doesn't know how to answer those questions a lot of times, right? Mm-hmm. So it, your niche is a really good one because it's very much needed. And it's it, like you said, you went and got like the certificate and you have this specific, specific training and have been in the industry to really understand the nuances of nonprofits. <laughs> so, which is important. Yeah, it's much more complicated than just regular accounting, honestly, because yeah. it's required by the IRS that you report each program a lot. Like, you know, it's not, you cannot be comprehensive and just do total, you have to report each program. Yeah. And I, and I even serving on a board of directors and working with the treasurer and working with people who are in this and they get confused. <laughs> well, like, especially when you're looking at in-kind donations, you know, where are you reporting those? Where are those in your budgets? All of that kind of stuff. It really can make your head kind of spin. <laughs> yeah. And a lot of people overlook in-kind. That can have a lot of, you know, a heavy effect on your, you know, in your budget so it can affect your budget like <laughs> so you really have to make sure like you have that in mind a lot of people oh we just got those donations they're not in the book <laughs> yeah <laughs> we don't need to track that and yeah so there's definitely i mean tracking is important and before we get to that though i just had a question too because here's one with um when you actually apply to be a tax exempt organization there's the form and you know to fill out that um you have your form to fill out and then you also have the easy form right so you have these two options and that's like if you don't project you're going to make i think it's fifty thousand in the first three years or whatnot and I know a lot of people say, do the easy form because you, that's just a projection, you know, or do the traditional form because you want to cover all your bases. So kind of where do you fall on, on the easy form versus the full application? Because it, it's different. It's a lot longer. Yes, it is different. I mean, if you, I spoke to a lot of prospects, they want to be intimate. They don't want to expand their organization. They just want to have it like in a way they can control themselves. Mm-hmm. So I said, if that's you, then easy would be fine. But if you don't know, you're not sure, you kind of have this dream, even if you're not sure you're going to have, you're going to have what you want. Mm -hmm. um, I would say go to the 990, uh, not 90, 1023, the long form, because this way you have the flexibility. Honestly, like I always recommend the, the long one this way because you never know like what's going to happen, what opportunities can open up for you. You don't want to be limited because that one is limited. So you want to have the opportunity to just um, do whatever you want, grow as much as you can without having to think and reapply or do anything uh, later on. Like you, you want to have everything open, even like with with uh, doing 990 versus 990N or 990 easy, I would always recommend, even if you can uh, do the 990N and not required to do more than that, I always recommend to do the uh, long one just because, especially if you want grant funding later, right? You, <laughs> you wanna have, uh, also, even if you don't wanna seek grants, if you wanna just have individual donors, and if, if you have people who knows where to look for for nonprofits, they're gonna go look and see how professional and how efficient are you with spending your fund. Or how, you know, so it's better to have 
as many information for your donors. So that's my my thinking and my thought. But it's always up to the uh, you know the leader who wants to file for their organization what they want to do. But I this this is my recommendation all the time to do the full. Yeah, and that makes sense because I mean even GuideStar now Candid right they will poll from this public information, which is your 990s and post it mm-hmm. in different places. And that's where a lot of funding sources will go look and check out your nonprofit, right? Before they yeah. consider funding you. So I love yeah. that because if you just have a short form, that's all they're gonna see, um, you know, but if you have the long form, they're gonna see more detail than in your 990s. So that, mm-hmm. like you said, it, it breeds credibility, right? So yeah. Mm-hmm. that's fantastic yeah, and they like you're very transparent you don't have you have nothing to hide then okay we don't mind to give you more money we don't mind to have select you over any other organizations mm-hmm. yeah I love that so yeah so I mean those are just some like basic questions I get but as far as like keeping keeping your 501c3 status now what would threaten a nonprofit to lose their 501c3 like you have like some red flags like here's what to avoid Mm-hmm. So I have all of them listed and um, the downloadable that I uh, provided. However, I can mention some of the stuff like having UB, uh, unrelated business income, UBI, mm-hmm. too much UBI. And, um, that's unrelated business income to your mission. So if you have too much in the eye of the IRS, then you might lose it. Another thing, and sorry to interrupt, but what are the examples of that unrelated business income? So let's say you have your facility and then you rent out your facility. Okay, some organization, I spoke to some people, they say, oh no, but you use, we use this fund with helping our organization. Like, but this is still unrelated because this is not your mission. So anything unrelated to your mission is unrelated business income. So that triggers a new form, which is, in addition to your 990, you have to do 990T to report it, and you have to pay estimated tax, quarterly estimated taxes. Mm. Because, you know, no one knows, like, uh, uh, no, not no, no one, a lot of people don't know <laughs> that you, even nonprofit has to pay taxes and estimated taxes because if they have unrelated business income. So that's one thing. Um, uh, that's just an example. Another thing is if you are endorsing a candidate, political candidate, that would be also um, something to trigger um, losing your tax exempt status. Another thing very common is automatic uh, automatic um, reduction of the 501c3, which is if you do not file your taxes for three consecutive years, this is the most common. I hear some people saying, oh, we only have to do taxes every three years. No, that's just to avoid <laughs> losing your exempt status. Not, <laughs> But you're required to do it every year, even if it was just for the 990. And, mm-hmm. and just mentioning one thing, actually, um, I spoke to a few prospects uh, last month, and they were saying, we are ready to mail in our 990. I'm like, no mailing in. That's, I think, in, I'm not sure that maybe 2019, like a few years ago, um, that is not acceptable. You have to e-file. Yeah. So e-filing is a requirement right now. Um, otherwise, you might receive an notice of revocation. You say, okay, we filed. No, but no, they didn't receive it. And we all know now 
how many uh, files filing up on the desk of the IRS, right? <laughs> so they, they might not see it and it's required to e-file. So you want to make sure you e-file. I didn't, I didn't realize that. So that's interesting. Yeah, that's good to know, right? <laughs> But I, I love what you're talking about as far as you still need to file. So a lot of nonprofits will be like, well, we're tax exempt. So we sh why do we file? Because we don't need to pay taxes. And it's like, well, you still need to report your, your income and your expenses, right? You need to still report on this. So, and I know a lot of um, nonprofits, they also publish in the newspaper, you know, as well. So to keep them up to date, a lot of them have that in their bylaws, right? Just for that transparency. So is that basically what nonprofits are filing every year when they're filing their taxes? So for um, the bylaws, you don't have to have it. You file, you, you have to have your bylaws by the time you wanna file for 1023 for the exempt status. So you have to have your bylaws, you have to have the conflict of interest policy. And then um, in the 990, let's say there's like a lot of questions to answer. One of the questions, like I, I would mention, for example, like if there's any related members in the board members, like something like that. And then let's say you have a brother and sister, you have to explain there in another schedule saying, okay, this is, uh, they asked about also conflict of interest. You might have to attach it or just mention it and have it ready in case they ask about it. Mm -hmm. So a lot of schedule can be attached to the 990. That's why it's very, very comprehensive. It mentions everything. Uh, you have to report, report any donors like who donates more than 5,000 or more. So nothing really private, everything is public. Mm -hmm. So you have to be ready with every detail, with your board minutes, anything that you might have to be asked for. But 990, basically you have to have your books ready, you have to be have your financial statements, your everything, every programs, like what expenses do you have in that program? Uh, how many beneficiaries did you help? So if you do this consistently in a weekly basis, in a monthly basis, then it will be ready, it won't be a lot of headache but if you have uh haven't been doing that always it's gonna be a big headache actually and who knows like it might not be accurate so i mean i really hope like all everyone who's leading nonprofit understand this is whatever you pay for this like to stay in compliance to have a good staff or have a good consultant that's an investment and that will help you to grow your organization and also help you to, to, to create a bigger impact. Yes, yes. And a lot of that you need for grants anyways, you need for your website, you need information to share, right, with your donors as far as, like you said, how many programs, how many beneficiaries you're serving. So it's just in your best interest overall to keep track of that. But your accountant, yes, they're going to need that information, right, or your bookkeeper. And having that, if you let it kind of snow, like, you know, build up, like you said, it's going to be hard. <laughs> uh -huh, yes, <laughs> definitely. And if you have incomplete uh, 990, they're going to bring, you know, send it back to you and then consider you late filing. Yeah. And there's like I, $20 per day then also. So wow. $20 <laughs> for, for being late or a filing incomplete one. Wow. Yeah. And that's, oh man, that can add up real fast. So <laughs> don't want to lose that you don't want to have to restart the process I mean that is just such a terrible thing to have to do right so have you seen a lot of nonprofits then come to you saying we lost our 501c3 help us get it back 
Oh, yes. <laughs> oh, yes. This is a very common problem. I didn't expect it to be that uh, much, but yeah. And very bad thing on this, actually, it is historical. So if you lose it once, like if you go to the nonprofit organization and the IRS website, you'll see that they lost it this day, they reinstated this day, and it will stay there. <laughs> it will stay there forever. Yeah, it doesn't matter so good, so don't do it. <laughs> that's crazy. I know, and that's you know, it's it's so important. And the thing is, I think is a lot of nonprofits don't understand that they need people with these specific skills. They think, oh, we're passionate, we're, we're about programs, you know, whereas we have our program hat on. But a lot of them, you know, might just have, the treasurer's kind of, you know, it's just somebody who might, I don't know, be related to somebody who works in a bank. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's like not necessarily having the specific skills. So they're just out there doing their thing, doing their program and not realizing they need these skills. So I'm, I'm really happy that you have that specifically that you can offer because it's so important. So I'm sure <laughs> you get a lot of calls, you know, to talk about these things. Yeah. And the treasure on your board might not hate or she is the volunteer, right? So, and this takes a lot of time. <laughs> and even if they know, they wouldn't have the time unless you hire them as your consultant also. <laughs> yeah. So you, they wouldn't have the time to do everything. Yeah. And then there's the checks and balances too, right? So if you exactly. have your treasurer, you still want to have um, an accountant or a CPA or a firm also looking at different things. So, and to kind of keep track of those things. So I think it's important that you, you have the checks and balances. Yeah, and this is very important point you brought uh, because we really need to have in any nonprofit this control system, financial control policy that is required most often like from funders, from IRS, you have to have that like kind of like who's signing the checks, who's sending the checks. <laughs> so you have to have that written policy in place as well. Yes, yes, I love that. So yeah, so and I love that you're giving that away. So once again, in the show notes, please do um, download that, grab that, so you can um, make sure that your nonprofit doesn't, you know, have any of those red flags, or if you do, you can solve them and prevent them and don't lose your 501c3. Um, so important to keep. And if you have lost it, then go to Nora too. <laughs> <laughs> so now kind of changing the conversation is about nonprofit consultants, because I also get a lot of questions about like, how much should I be putting aside for taxes, you know, um, because they have to pay their own taxes. Um, should I be doing quarterly? Should I do those quarterly payments? You know what I mean? Um, do I need to reach a certain threshold before I start doing that? Um, you know, how do I even manage my income? What should I be looking at? What can I write off? These are a lot of the questions that I get. So I would love some insight on some of those. <laughs> yeah, sure. So I have a lot of uh, consultant clients and um, basically, if you are self-employed, it, it all depends also, like, we can talk in general, and it, it also varies between, like, if you are just sole proprietor and you're doing that just on your, under your name and social security, or if you are LLC, or if you are already S-Corp, how are you incorporated? So it does vary, but in general, you want to... To be on the safe side, like if you expected, if you're expecting to owe money mm -hmm. later on your base taxes, you must have, you must pay quarterly taxes. But if you are 
if you are not S corp, because if you are an S corp and you, uh, you are on the payroll, then you, your self-employment taxes, Medicare and Social Security are already taken care of if you are running a good payroll. Uh, and you know doing this because i've seen also uh, some people just writing a check that is not payroll this is considered you know if it's a payroll you have to <laughs> file 941 940 you know to make sure you are in compliance if if not if you're just writing check for yourself then you have to make sure you uh, calculate the quarterly taxes and you pay those quarterly taxes on time so for now, for example, June 15 is going to be the uh, due date for paying your quarterly, second quarter taxes. Basically, you have to project how much money you will make like until the end of June mm -hmm. and, you know, figure out the amount that you will have to pay this quarter, mm -hmm. at least for your self-employment, for Medicare and, um, right. Medicare and Social Security, if you don't think you owe any more, anything more than that. Because if you owe, and uh, you will pay penalty and interest at the end of the year. Mm -hmm. And if it's the first time, you might be able to avoid and have them waive it. They might accept. If it's not the first time, they won't. <laughs> they won't waive it. So you want to make sure you uh, calculate every uh, quarter. So that's uh, something I do for my clients as well. So you have to know your personal, you know, like married, single, house, head of household, whatever your status is, and then figure out like overall how much you're going to be and see like if you owe anything or you just have to worry about your self-employment tax, uh, self taxes. Yeah. Um, also, one thing I like, if you are an escort, you want to make sure you have a reasonable salary. Mm -hmm. in order to be order uh, in, in order to be able to withdraw any money uh, and give yourself any dividend because if you it's not as LLC anymore so you cannot have um, a withdrawal without a salary because because you're not required you know they, they expect you if you're an escort they expect you to run a payroll so they get their uh, Medicare and Social Security at least payroll taxes, all of these for state and federal. But um, if you are an LLC, you are not, you cannot put yourself on the payroll. There's, you can put other people, you can hire other people, but you, you as an owner, you cannot be on the payroll. So um, you have to take it. Yeah, you cannot be. And you have to just take a withdrawal. Any money you take is a withdrawal. Okay. But then you are responsible to pay uh, those estimated taxes, uh, self-employment taxes to uh, every quarter just to avoid any penalty later on. Okay. That, yeah, that's so good to know because I was thinking it was more on um, a threshold on how much you made as far as quarterly taxes rather than... Yeah, yeah. you have to kind of figure out like overall, all, every, uh, all the year, mm -hmm. all the year. So. Yeah. If you expect, just to be on the safe side, if you expect to have $400 in, in, ta in you know, 400 to 1,000, some, uh, they have a threshold, but I, this is what I like to kind of predict, like even, because you never know, like you might expect something and become, I rather like be on the safe side yeah. and not have to pay extra, uh, but not too much also, you don't want to pay too much. Other people. Right. Some people like, let's pay too much so that we can save money with the IRS. No, <laughs> you can get penalized for that too. So just to be on the safe side, like that range, like doing 400 and 1,000, like if you expect to, or something like that, uh, then make sure you um, 
you pay uh, you pay that money. But what we do, like there is a form, um, we figure out like everything, mm -hmm. and then uh, we divide it over like four quarters, four payments, and do it. And it gets updated every quarter to make sure you are still in that because you might be making some money in quarter one, quarter two, and you have uh, a sudden growth. Uh, later on quarter three and four you have to update that right and, right yeah make sure just you account for that so you, you're not penalized okay that's awesome and then as far as like um how much to set aside so say if you are a sole prop and you're you're setting aside a certain or any business right and you want to be able to figure out how much money you need to set aside for your taxes to pay like is there kind of a formula sorry my cat in the background <laughs> <laughs> That. Yeah, there is no one answer fits all because everything because business owner everything will affect you right so if you are an LLC then you're filing your taxes and schedule C then everything will affect that it's pass through entity if you're also S corp it's a pass through entity so everything you have it will show up in your 1040 and that is going to be affect you know that's going to affect like how much you're going to if you have a child if you have a child care <laughs> so everything is going to affect so there's no rules that you know to be yeah. good for all and also if you have a spouse who's making a lot of money then you know you have to take that in the account but you know like let's say 10 percent but don't rely on that because everyone's situation is different. Yeah. But, you know, minimum 10% and then like, and you know, I would say like for all businesses, like to put 30% aside, like between taxes and anything comes up, like, so you have money for any project comes up or any taxes, but like in order to be accurate, you need tax planning. So yeah. A lot of people, they just do uh, tax preparation and then be surprised. Like tax planning is a great thing. And this is a great time to start. Yes. Actually, yes. Because you will see like what you're, what you're expecting this year, what you have, what, uh, what's your status. And then you see like, if you think you're going to pay so much taxes, then we can see like what strategies you can avoid so we can keep or defer the taxes, you know, defer the taxes or keep the money somewhere. Uh, you know, so um, I mean, like an IRA or, you know, anything, a lot of strategies where you or you can expand something in the business, purchase, you know, like um, maybe you want to have like some legal law uh, things, right? Some legal stuff. And you think you don't have money for, but if we are doing tax planning and you think you will have something, okay, maybe this is the right time to hire an attorney to do some stuff or hire a financial planner or hire um, an accountant who can do budgeting, forecasting and a lot of other things, right? So, or just have, save your retirement for your retirement or anything like qualified by the IRS as a, something like you can defer taxes with or whatever. A lot of things you can do <laughs> to, to save in taxes. So um, this is something you would want to consider the tax planning is it's going to be very, very beneficial. And you, you avoid those surprises which come in April. <laughs> mm -hmm. Yeah. yeah. You know, and I love that. I love that you're also talking about there's different ways that you can get, you know, your, your business to pay for expenses, right? Tax and that tax planning is so important to do like even now and mostly always really consultants have been virtual based like grant writers and that sort of thing right working out of their homes so mm -hmm. even being able to write off a certain portion 
of their, their home, right? Their mortgage or their rent because they have an office space that's a dedicated office space. So those types of things too, I'm sure um, that you can share with nonprofit consultants as far as, you know, when you meet with them to say, hey, these are some ways that you can write off things. Or if you invest in the IRA, like you said, those could, you know, be deducted from your taxes. And there's different ones, right? That can do different things. So I think that is so great. And I know it's helped my business when I've really looked at those aspects and figured out, you know, and it's not really working the system. It's just like, how do I do this, right? How do I make it beneficial as well for me um, with the income that I have? And, you know, and you have to, as a consultant, like you said, retirement, healthcare, you know what I mean? Taxes. It's like, putting all of those things aside. So if you're not putting aside money every single month for those things, or it's not automatically deducted from your company or into your company, you're going to be at the end of the year going, oh no. <laughs> so, yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. And speaking of those mortgages, like phone, uh, a lot of things like your computer or whatever you have, like your printer, your ink, all of these stuff, anything you, you use, if you're not keeping track and keeping your invoices, then you might not be able to take the deduction if you take it and you get audited and then like, okay, where's the substantiation? Uh, I don't have it. No, you will have to keep it. So yeah, if you are aware of that and keeping track of everything. Um, yeah, I usually home office deduction can be a lifesaver. <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And I, and I love that you said, you know, keep your, keep your stuff. And with online though, these days, we do so much online with our phones, with um, getting payments over the web and getting just things, you know, is it okay if you're keeping your credit card statements um, as well then to use that to substantiate your, for your taxes? Yes, but I would also keep the receipt. And speaking of credit card statement, make sure you have your business credit cards. Um, you know, just don't commingle. This is a very important point. Also, the day you are starting your business, even if you're not having your business EIN, have as another business, uh, business well, they, it won't be a business, it will be still under your name, but that you know that is for your business, at least. Um, but if you have your EIN, LLC, uh, or, or any, you know, EIN number, that's what, regardless of what your formation, your, how you are incorporated, then you, um, you can have your business account and then try to have everything there. Or if you have it from your credit card, then make sure you, you are an employee of your business somehow, right? So you can get reimbursed. So make sure that you are billing yeah. It has to be set up like as you are billing your company and the company is reimbursing you for this expenses. Okay. So when you take the money, it's not taxable. Ah, I love that. That, that, that makes perfect sense because, you know, I have uh, two different bank accounts, my own personal bank account and then my, my company's bank account. And even my bank, they ask me for my business license every year. You know, they want to make sure everything's updated so I can keep yeah. that account. And yeah, so that, that runs really smooth. And then with my um, different, then, you, you know, like with your credit card, you're saying, so set it up. <laughs> so yeah. your business can pay for things. And even as a sole prop, you can still have it because it's your business license, right? So if, as long as your mm-hmm. business license is covered, that kind of covers yeah. you. Yeah, just if you don't have EIN, it has to be under your social security. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Whatever the bank 
like have it on, but you know that uh, between you and you, <laughs> it's your business. So this is only your business. So you're not you're not commingling. Yeah. 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 So because it's going to be hard later on, like to say this is business. And, you know, if someone sues you later on, like it's not going to be well, if you don't have an LLC, you won't have a legal protection, I guess. But still, you know, like at least like coming, don't commingle. Like this is the rule. <laughs> like don't, you know, have the finances separated. And if you have the EIN for your business, that's even better. So, yeah. Um, yeah. You, yeah. Try to protect yourself, uh, your personal things. Uh, you know, talk to your attorney about that, not me. But, <laughs> but, <laughs> but at least in the financial aspects, um, like don't don't commingle. Just so yeah. to stay organized. The IRS, will, when if they come to you, you say, okay, this is everything business. They can clearly see this is your business. If anything comes from your personal, and then you are reimbursing yourself not like as an any business reimbursing you for anything you are you spent from your personal just clear and you have you know like i would run like like for example calendly right like all of us now have calendly calendly so just run um a report and have it like maybe every couple of months or maybe even like an, an annual one like you will still you can still run it so your credit card is fine, but just to be extra uh, careful, like, okay, here's my uh, calendar statement. Here's my whatever, like all of these, like it's convenient to have, but stay organized as much as possible. This way, if you are audited, because auditing like can be annoying, but if you have everything in place, it will take less money and less time and you don't have to worry about it. And then you know where your money is going too. And I think that's important, you know, so to stay on top of it. But, and I love what you're saying because even if you say you are commingling your credit card, right? It's going to be so much work at the end of every month or at the end of every quarter or at the end of the year <laughs> to go through yeah. that and be like, is this a business or personal expense? And to break it all down and then to, your accountant's going to be like, I need like, information about this you need to tell me a little bit about it so it is a lot of work to have to do it that way so this does kind of it helps you save hours which saves time which saves money right for you to do as well if you just keep up with it and I and I love that word you used organized right to stay organized with all of the things so man this is I could talk to you for so long about all this I um, I'll definitely have to have you back on the show to talk about more but we do need to sign off and um but before we get off I also want to say you know once again you do have that free downloadable so thank you so much and um you're also one of the sponsors for the nonprofit consulting conference coming up on August 25th and 26th so if you guys do not have a ticket for that yet you guys are definitely going to want to join see more what Nora is doing over there as well um, because it's really um you know this type of work that we're talking about the accounting for your business so important so i hope you guys can all hear that today or see that if you're watching on youtube <laughs> but any any closing comments before we go nora oh no that's it like i just like hope everyone like see see the value see um the value of the work rather like you know make sure like you you recognize the value of uh, your investment. So don't see everything like an expense, make sure like you invest your money in the right place so you can have a greater impact, whether if you're a nonprofit and great um, saving if you are a consultant. <laughs> so, so yeah, I hope to see everyone in the conference and I'm so happy to be with you. Thank you so much, Holly, and I'm so honored to be with you today.
Oh, it's been my pleasure. So once again, you guys go to norasbooks.com for more information. You're definitely going to want to get out there. She has some um, 15 minute consulting calls too. So if you have some questions, you want to um, ask her about that, do see and see what kind of services she can provide for your nonprofit or for your consultancy, because you do not want to fall behind in your taxes. You don't want to get your 501c3 revoked, all of those types of things. So you definitely need an expert in your corner. So thank you for being that expert. Nora. I really appreciate it. Thank you so much, Molly. Yes, all right. I'll see you at the conference. <laughs> see you then. <laughs> Thank you again for listening to today's podcast episode with Nora Elsmari from Nora's Books. And once again, please make sure that you grab your free downloadable that she is offering on how to avoid losing your nonprofit status. Go ahead and jump over to grantwritingandfunding.com forward slash 227 to grab that as well as to book a free consultation with Nora and to find out more about our nonprofit consulting conference happening August 25th and 26th, which is presented by Founded Technologies with special sponsors, Bloomerang and Nora's Books. And if you love this podcast, please do me a favor, leave a review and rating on iTunes as this does help other people find the podcast and I love hearing what you think about the podcast. All right, I'll see you next week as we have a special, special birthday podcast. And we have a great, great thing happening that I'll be talking about then. All right, guys, I hope to see you. As always, jump over to grantwritingandfunding.com for all of your free resources and join our free hub haven to get some magical stuff. All right, I'll see you then. Bye-bye.